Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. In this episode, I'm again with Dan and Adrian, and we have a conversation around obstacles and finding opportunities in them. We believe that every single obstacle that we see or that we come across has an opportunity in it. And uh, that's exactly what we talk about. So as you push play on this conversation, you keep listening to this conversation, I want you to think about the obstacles that you think you're facing right now. Not that you think you are, that you are. And Having those in mind might be able to allow you to have a little bit more intention in this conversation of figuring out what opportunities you might be able to find in what now looks like an obstacle. I can't wait for you to dive in. Here we go. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Naked Leadership Podcast. This is our first episode of recording after the new year. So uh, I know as you're listening to this, you're already a few weeks in, but for us, this, there's some newness here. There's some excitement and we wanted to talk about obstacles. I've got Dan and Adrian here with me this week again. And how are you, gentlemen? Hey, very good, man. Alive, reporting for duty. <laughs> you can tell already I've been on vacation too long. What's going on? I uh, can't speak, apparently. So in this episode, we want to talk about uh, turning obstacles into opportunities. And I think this is, you know, something that has become a little bit of a quip, a little bit of a, what do you call it when it's just something you say? <laughs> but I want—I really wanted to dive into this because I, I believe this is true. I have a coin that I keep on my desk somewhere. It's around here somewhere. Um, but it's the obstacle is the way, the old stoic principle. And I know that in my life, I've found this principle to be helpful and true. And I wanted to have this conversation, especially as we face a new year, a calendar year, as the calendar flips over to 2021. And there will inevitably be some obstacles, regardless of how positive or optimistic. That's what I'm looking for. No matter how optimistic we are, there will be some obstacles. And we get to choose how we see them how we take them on if they become in the way or we use them as the way. And uh, so I wanted to dive into this conversation. So as you gentlemen think about obstacles and what it takes to make them the way instead of allowing them to become in the way, uh, what are some of the core principles or some of the core mindset uh, opportunities that we have to think about obstacles or how do we look at obstacles in order to make them an opportunity. You know, I think the idea, I think there's a, you go up high, you know, kind of think about what makes a difference, like what matters, what makes a difference. And it occurred to me actually yesterday, I was thinking about this, that it's not what's before me nor what's behind me, but what's inside me that makes the difference. When an obstacle comes up, A, I wouldn't see the obstacle unless I had a commitment. That's the first thing. So the obstacle is a confirmation that I'm committed to something happening. I'm committed to something occurring that hasn't occurred yet. And otherwise, there'd be no obstacle. Right. So in other words, if you and I are sitting here and we're talking and you say, we, you say, hey, let's I'll make you a bet, Dan. I'll bet you, you can't get out the back door in five seconds. I'll bet you a thousand dollars. Now, if I say. Okay, I take the bet. Now, everything between me and getting out the door in five seconds appears. All the obstacles appear. And they weren't there until I had that commitment, right? So the obstacle is actually a confirmation that there's something I care about and want to have happen. And, and, and you know, it, it, I decided it means something to me. And in that, everything from the background of life shows up that could get between me and, and having that happen. And then if I think that what's before me is going to make the difference, I'm going to get caught up in it. Because if it doesn't line up with what my commitment is, then I think there's something wrong or bad or broken with it, with the obstacle. It shouldn't be there. It yeah. ought not be there. And, and so the minute that occurs, who wants to get close to something that's wrong, bad, or broken? Who wants to get into, get close to and understand the thing that looks like it's threatening my commitment? Right. So and it really happens right between the ears. Right. That's that's all going on between the ears. So if I don't get so. So when I, that's what I mean by the only thing that makes a difference. What the only thing that matters is what is in me, how I'm thinking about how I'm relating to 
whatever I'm up to in my life at that moment. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know where this, <laughs> I guess just it's, it's human nature or idealism or whatever, but like this idea that things should go smoothly. Yeah. And if they don't go smoothly, they're broken. We can talk about it. That's entitlement in its highest form, right? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I've never heard it in that terms. I really do like that. The, this idea that there's no resistance for something worth having. Yeah, like like the lack of resistance. Somehow, if there is no resistance, then it was meant to be. As instead, right. if there is resistance, it's actually calling me out. It, it's my commitment calling me into being, right? Becoming. Like, what now? Who will I be now? Yeah. Adrian, as we have this conversation, are there any obstacles, specific obstacles that you can think of that you're seeing at the moment that call you into, or, or what do you, what's coming up for you as we talk about this idea of facing obstacles and seeing them as opportunities? Sure. You mean for me personally or culturally? Sure. Yeah. I think it'd be great to even spell some of those out, but um, sure. if you want to go philosophical, that's great too. Well, just the, the broader, a broad point first, and then I'll give a couple from my own life, but the broad point first is like every obstacle is an opportunity for something. Like it is, I get, you know, something is going to follow. I, I, I fully am behind Dan's point. And then after that, you know, Everything that we call an obstacle is an opportunity for something. Now, if it will find, it will follow that. Like what happens after I see, let's say I see an obstacle. What happens after will follow really what I'm, what I make up about what I'm capable of, you know, and what, and what I'm, what I, how willing I am to take action, (laughs) how willing I am to lay myself out, how much courage I'm willing to have, how resilient I'm willing to be. You know, how and, you know, anyway, that's for me, all that starts happening. It's like, yes, OK, something is going to happen. There is an opportunity in everything either to be and something will probably be confirmed. So I've only I've bought this shirt. Ah, oh, this is a shitty day like that thought. Right. <laughs> that thought this is a shitty day. Well, that's an obstacle, you know, becoming an opportunity to confirm my mood mm-hmm. now, or oh, this thing. You know, it happens. So the personal thing that just happened this morning, which is a really small, silly example, but it's real for me today is, you know, last night I realized my my babysitter didn't confirm that she was going to be here this today, which she always is very proactive. And so I reached out to her. Hey, I can see you on Monday and Tuesday and Friday. And she said, oh, I can't be there tomorrow. Which is like not good news to get at 830 p.m. on a night before you know the morning. And it was something about a roommate and COVID and blah, blah, blah obstacle. So when now, what am I going to do? And how, you know, my head goes to how messed up is my day tomorrow? Now look what, now look what she's done to me. Welcome to thought number one, look what she's done to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Now thought number two is, okay, I bet there are some options here. Second thing is to get it out of my head. Cause if I, I naturally, if I'm going to suffer, I'll try, I'll usually wait a long time before asking for help. So second thing I do is read it to Allie. Hey, look what's all right. So, so look, so here's what's happening. And she is coming at it usually much more freer than I am. I'm, you know, she gets to, oh, had you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Very quickly. I'm usually like, oh, hold on. Let's wallow for a second here. You're like, wait, I was looking for an accomplice. I was, not- you know, I'm really upset about this. But she's in, she's into seeing options at least right away. And uh, anyway, she came up with a great one, which was for that uh, that her boy, who's uh, nearly 16, uh, could could watch Scout, who's an amazing young man, blooming in all types of really great ways and really excited. I love him. We have a great relationship and um, he really loves my kids or the younger kids. And so it became a day for like and we told. So fast forward to this morning, drop off Charlie in the, at, at preschool. Tell Scott, hey, you're going to get to hang out with Grant all day today. And he literally screamed at the top of his lungs with excitement. Because, <laughs> you know, hanging out with Grant beats hanging out with the babysitter. You know, and anyway, that's a very small example of, you know, something not working out the way I thought it should work out, which usually is if I don't watch it, 
the, the things that seem like obstacles are just changes in the pattern of what I think I need to help my mood be stable and have the life I think I want. So mm-hmm. it's like something breaks up the pattern and all of a sudden, uh-oh, there's an obstacle. And reality is a lot of these times are great opportunities if I'll slow down for a second and then wonder wonder what could be, that it could even be better than what the pattern had been providing me. Yeah. 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 I, just, I have to get over... Uh, on a personal note, for me, I have to get over just being bothered. I want efficiency and effectiveness. So I'm so addicted to, or so love, dependent yeah, upon, yeah. my mood is dependent upon things happening, quote unquote, the way they ought to go. You really, you, that's the moralization. People don't think of that as moralization. Yeah. Good. This should that's be right. this way. And the minute I go there, anything that isn't the way it should be becomes an enemy instead of an ally. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it sets it pits me against the resource that the universe is giving me. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And and I, I think a lot. I think a lot about that. Uh, I think about some of our clients because oftentimes we are the messenger. And I don't know if you noticed nowadays messengers get killed. I, I think not just nowadays, but throughout history. Yeah. You yeah. Kill the messenger because you don't like the message. <laughs> and you know, part of being a messenger is having the courage to say, look, this is, this is what, there's something here. We can make this work, but we have to look at the very thing you don't want to look at. And you don't want to look at it because you've decided it shouldn't be there. Mm. And, and so you, people try to work around. It's like the, the elephant in the room or, you know, the emperor has no clothes on, right? They, 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 we don't want to talk about it. And anybody who does is probably going to be censored, punished, excommunicated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and unfortunately, that just drags it on, which makes you write about the problem, right? The problem begins to win. The obstacle begins to take over. Mm. Yeah. Because of my moralizing. Yeah. Yeah. It, I've been, you guys know this, I've been talking to a potential new client that I'm very excited about for, for a handful of reasons. And the guy's been pretty interesting to try to, to try to, He's trying to escape. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, he wants to talk and then late, wants to talk, misses a call, wants to talk, wants to talk, wants to talk. So it's interesting. You know, it's like my, both my, my kind of, I want something to work the way it should work. That's showing up. You know, we schedule something at noon. People show up on time or at least show up for the call at all. That's the way it should happen. And then my pride shows up, like, why am I getting treated this, quote unquote, why am I getting treated this way? Should I allow this to be treated? You know, anyway, herein lies the what to do when an obstacle, when some aberration, some something different hits. And I've only found, man, I'm pretty much done with the conversation now. But for, for a couple of weeks there, I stayed in just because, oh, this is an opportunity. I can hang for a while. This is good. It's good for me to go through the process of not getting what I want and being more committed to an outcome than committed to it going a certain way in the moment. As long as I'm in my, what's my check in that? My check for that is, am I being authentic? You know, make sure I'm not selling out, make sure I'm not in this context, make sure I'm not like going to let something happen. That's inauthentic from me. He can be unauthentic. That's fine. That's a good starting place for him. But if I join him in an authenticity, then our, we won't have authenticity in the context of our relationship at all, which I'm committed to. And if that doesn't have work, then the coaching context doesn't work. So, you know, hanging with it, not going the way I want it to go is actually a great exercise. If you're up for spiritual growth or emotional growth, or, you know, like deep character growth, I think being willing to f- like face the obstacle versus just avoid it, which is so easy to do in our kind of I'm busy, life's overwhelming story we're all we <laughs> tend to go to because then I get to check out of whatever I want to and justify why I'm checking out instead of what's what is the opportunity inside of this quote unquote obstacle? I have a question for you around that, Adrian. Yeah. So there seems to be a conversation begging to be have about what prices are you willing to pay for a certain vision or something that you want, right? Yep. I mean, that's something we have to decide. Like, what are we willing to give or give up in order to have the thing that we say that we want? Or maybe that's even a story in of itself that we have to give something up. But my question is this, in this specific, I think this is a good example to explore this idea, is that 
you love the idea of working with this client. Yeah. And it could mean really big things for our firm. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of upside, but there's certain costs you're not, there's certain prices you're not willing to pay in order to make that happen. Right. But you've named a couple of them, right? Yeah. Not being uh, authentic. There's only, probably only so much chase you're willing to do, right. you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering when, and I know we, how do you is a funny question, not always that helpful, but I'm just using it to start this conversation. And then you yeah. guys can help me ask a better question, but how do we, uh, start to evaluate whether or not we're willing to pay the price because you could continue to pursue him endlessly and you could look at it as like well this is the obstacle and i'm just gonna go after it and you know i'm gonna continue to go and go and go and go because this is the obstacle that's in the way and it can become the way mm-hmm. so or you can say i've paid enough and I'm moving a different direction, right? You even said in passing, I think the conversation's over now. So you've made a decision that the price to pay uh, in pursuit is maybe not worth whatever might still be on the other end of that. It's interesting to say, hey, the obstacle is the way, go after that thing, lean into the obstacle. But then at what point do we say, okay, the obstacle's too much or it's showing me that this thing is not worth it? Yeah. Well, in, in what Adrian was talking about, you first have to, in order to answer the question, you have to be clear about the outcome you're, you're committed to. Right. And Adrian's outcome is to have a client that we're committed to, you know, that, that wants to work, that, you know, and, and is up for the work. So he actually accomplished what he was set out to do. Perfect. Yeah. By going to the obstacle because he discovered that the client didn't really want what he said he wanted. Yep. Moving away from him. So you don't need to follow him because there's no obstacle. He's not there. And, and we just get on with the next one. But it does help us understand better what, you know, this is not the guy, but we're actually sharper about who who we want. And if the guy comes back, what that's going to mean to him and to us as a partner. Right. Because we have now very clear conversations that we can have about what's going to work or not work. I mean, and, I mean, what he faced with his client, we face with every client, which is at what point will they decide to bail on just looking into what they think is wrong, bad, or broken? Like that's really where the pressure is, right? The pressure. And if somebody's not willing to to go there, not willing to take hold of that conversation, you know, they'll walk away. They'll pull, and then the way is open for the next client. Right. And in that, that's how I listened to that one. Yeah. Just, he wasn't, the guy kept saying he wanted to, but never would come to the party. So there is no obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> See it. To, to use, to use, to use an analogy, you know, it's, it's as if I've got my kid at the baseball diamond and we're there to teach him how to play, how to hit the ball. I can go up and hold, hold the bat in my right hand, toss it up my left hand and show him. Bam. See, watch, bro. Boom. That's it. Watch, watch, throw, boom. I hit it three times. And now, Scout, it's your turn. And then he gets the bat. And if he says, no, I don't want to do it yet, I'm like, okay, here, let me show you how easy it is. Hold the bat, and you toss it, and you hit it. See? Isn't that fun? Watch it. Here, let's do it again. And now it's your turn. No, not my turn. Well, Scout's not here to play ball. No matter how many times I'll show him how to play ball or invite him to take a swing, if he doesn't want to take a swing... I, you know, for me at the end, I want to respect people's dignity to have the life they want, even if it sucks. You know, in, in our context, like I can't talk somebody into wanting something. They obviously from reality, watching the facts, they don't want like they don't want to shift. They don't want to even talk about what it takes to shift, which was this guy's conundrum. They don't want to even talk about what's really happening and what's really at stake and what's really worth it. You know, he wants he wants the pre-digested microwave food already, you know, let alone sit there and talk about the recipe and bake the thing or cook it like a stew. He wants it already eaten for him, you know, and I just that's it's it's that just won't work. Right. Transformation doesn't happen that way. There are no microwaves in transformation. It's all it. You know, you got to really be a, a participant in the process. So. 
It comes down to, I'm trying to get back to your question, Chad, which is like when, for, I guess for me, it's an, in some ways it's an ethics question. You know, when will I, to do something for someone that they're not willing to do for themselves is pandering and not really kind at the end of the day, nor is it honorable. You know, so in that case, I'll, I'll go find a different obstacle. There's plenty of great obstacles out there to throw myself at. I'll wait to this one because, you know, this guy in particular, I really love this guy. I see his pain immediately and I want to get involved because I can see it. I can see I can see the train crash that, that's coming. And <laughs> or that's already here. Oh, that's already here. Right. It's been here and, for years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I want to get involved, but it's not mine yet. You know, he hasn't really asked me to. Yep. You know, so I got in some ways that's growth for me to like, hey, you know what? Let this guy roll. Because I can take a shortcut and find a way to get into some work together, but if we, you know, if I take a shortcut, then I'm really screwing up the whole system. Yeah. So I'll go just find a different obstacle. Well, I love that. I love Dan. What you said made me realize I was focused on a different vision, <laughs> not one that you had stated, but one that I was making up, which was get the client, get the yeah. client, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it was for me, it was a clear, the question was rooted in a cl- uh, not being clear on what the vision was. Yeah. That's always, that's what clarifies the obstacle, right? Yeah. 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 You know, Marcus Aurelius said the cucumber is bitter then throw it out. There are brambles in the path that go around. That's all you need to know. But I think this is a beautiful, <laughs> I think this is a beautiful example of, of the obstacle becoming the way because I'm focused on one thing, which is get the client, right? And his absence looks like an obstacle yeah. to what I think the goal is. But then, Dan, you said so beautiful, there is no obstacle because the goal was actually to see if he was, if he was good for the work. At which he's not. So no bad. No, actually, the thing that I saw as the obstacle is the way to determine whether he's up for the work or not. The, the, get the right client would be the commitment. Right? Yep. And the, well, yep. Or, if you will, the client that wants to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and no problem if he doesn't want to work. No bad. You've accomplished your goal because he realized it's, I'm not up for this and great, no problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he wants to be up to it, but when it comes down to putting the rubber to the road, not really. When mm-hmm. that okay? Yeah, he wants the results, you know, uh, but also it's worth thinking about, too. Even as people as they are probably, they, I know plenty of our clients are thinking about shifting companies and starting new companies and trying something new. And part of the dynamic is, uh, and what didn't, what doesn't work for me, which, you know, I was really clear with him about on our second call was the type of relationship he wanted to have with me. You know, I, even if we did the work together, it, it's, I'm crystal clear on the type of relationship that we'll have together. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to have that, then I don't even want to do the work. I don't care. Put yeah. tons of, put tons of zeros on it. I just want, I don't, quality of life is, is the most important game for me. Like really, you know, am I, am I doing really important, impactful work with people I love, with people I love talking to, with people that they and I have a really synergistic, I can't wait to talk with them. That's the standard. You know, it wasn't always the standard when I was getting started. It's like, if you had a pulse and a little bit of money, I'd coach you. I don't care. Um, But now very different standard. So Mm -hmm. he didn't want to have, he wasn't committed yet. Might not ever be committed to having the type of relationship with me that I, that I require. And I'm thinking about people that are in transitions right now as they're thinking about their work. And most people haven't, most people want to leave the job before they stand for the type of relationship that they want at work or they want with their peers. You know, they would go around those obstacles and they just end up jumping ship on, you know, the job itself and blame the market, blame the company, blame the whatever but they haven't stood for the type of relationship they wanted to have between them and their coworkers that they spend a, a third to half their life with. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say, you know, because it makes me think politics is downstream from culture. Politics mean meaning how we engage with each other, right? right. Politically, or you could take it interpersonally, but 
any how we re, how we it's downstream from culture. So, and what's the only thing that's upstream from culture is v- values, values and vision, right? So, but we have a tendency to want to play with the politics of the situation, not realizing they're actually produced by the culture. And what you're speaking to is the culture. And we, by you know, this is the kind of relationship we know that works. And if we don't have this kind of relationship, it doesn't matter what you want to do. We're not going to be of value to you. And we know that this culture has got to be in. So if that culture, if you, if you have to abandon that culture, then you're really selling yourself out. And the obstacle is your own, you know, lack of integrity, really your own unwillingness to own what's going on between your ears. Right. 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 I think, you know, another example that comes up for me and I, I'm just, kind of exploring this through examples. I think it's, it's helpful for me at least. Hopefully it's helpful for the people that are listening as they try to start to try to apply this principle to some of the things that they're up against. We, uh, you know, last year, uh, we worked really hard to launch a product that was aimed towards married couples, uh, executive married couples. And it would be, um, an e-course kind of a, I don't want to say canned cause that sounds like we took it lightly or, or it was hands off, but, but it was a, it was kind of an extensive prep prep pop process to, to to build this thing out, and then we came against some obstacles in that. At some point, those obstacles informed us in a way that we decided to 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 pivot to abandon that particular product for the time, at least, um, and the way that we were doing it. And uh, I guess I'm just kind of dissecting that now and wondering, you know, what. What dictates that decision? What is it the obstacle or is it noticing that the vision isn't achievable in that process and the obstacle showed us that? Um, does my does my question make sense? I'm sure as listeners listen to this, they've, they've launched products or services or brands or whatever, and it just didn't grab for whatever reason. And instead of pursuing it, they allowed what looked like the obstacle to to shift or turn or, and what's the difference? Maybe that's not the obstacle. Maybe it's not even an obstacle at all. Maybe it is the opportunity that shows you, Hey, this isn't quite right. Pivot. Yeah. Well, you know, the content was like, I think when we looked into it, cause we're still doing it. In fact, we're pursuing it in a different way from what we learned from that obstacle. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about an example when I was in the shipping business that kind of would, would give a very clear example of this. Uh, we were moving coffee to, I had a vessel and we traded it. It was an open box vessel. We trade coffee and sugar between Central South America, all around the Caribbean and, and over to Europe, different commodities. And it was called a tramp vessel, which meant that we didn't have any, any set route. We would go wherever the cargoes were. And there was this big fight in going on in Guatemala and Honduras over this big section of land that United Fruit wanted to buy. It was like 5,000 hectares. It's it just a huge section of land. And there was this, so United Fruit's the biggest fruit company in the world, right? And they they, they want the land. And this other small company more uh, didn't have the resources United Fruit did, had they wanted the land. And the problem was some people in Honduras a company in Honduras said they own the land, and the, and the company in Guatemala said they own the land. So United Fruit comes down there with all their lawyers and all their resources, and they're going to work on it. And this little guy ends up winning the battle. And what he did is he went and bought the land from both of them. He paid them both. <laughs> and he owns the land, and his company now is doing very well down there. But I thought I found it very interesting because rather than very sly, very smart, he learned from the obstacle that there was a solution. And the solution was rather than go in and do what you think you ought to do, which is buy the land from one person, then go fight over that and spend God knows how much money trying to get that clear and how much time on top of it. He just decided, well, I'll just go pay twice as much as I normally would with, and, and I'll own the land. And, mm-hmm. and it's over too sweet. <laughs> now that that is a, that's someone who went, you know, this it's maybe wrong that I pay both. He wasn't worried about what was right or wrong. 
right? Whereas the other companies like, well, no, we're going to figure out who the owner is. We're going to go to court. He's like, just pay them both and get out of there. That's I think that's genius, right? That's and that's the difference between really learning from the obstacle rather than trying to manipulate it or you know work it the way you need it to look. Mm. And big company loses with all their resources, and you know it's like David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, whenever we do leadership assessments and we do cultural assessments, one of the paradoxes we always look at is, the, you know, the individual and, and then the group's willingness to be persistent, like to take on, to be tenacious despite despite obstacles, that, that score and their willingness to experiment, to try new things in new ways. And the, both are really important. So part of the willing to stay with an obstacle, I think to your question, Chad, part of the willingness to stay with an obstacle and, you know, I think of it in running, you know, it's like I've got two miles left. I can decide to survive the last two miles or I can decide to really kick it in gear and enjoy it. Right. And really make something of it. But, you know, to persist despite what you'd rather not do. Right. Like to, to just decide, oh, this is a discipline moment. For me, I'd rather bail, but I'm not bailing. Mm. That's like persistence. Yeah. Because, you know, tenacity, I mean, you know, uh, coming against obstacles, of course, we don't want the obstacles to be there. Of course, we'd rather be simple. Of course, we'd rather be easy. Of course, we'd rather people read our minds. Of course, we'd rather be smarter and faster and in better shape. And of course, of course, I'd rather look and feel the way I want and eat those brownies last night. Of course. Get in shape without resistance. That's hilarious. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but it doesn't happen that way. Not, not it just that's not the way reality works. So I must be persistent in order to get something done. And that sometimes, though, which is I think to your point and to your point, your story too. These guys were gonna uh, the the two companies were gonna come in and fight about the known fight the known battle. Yeah. And they're going to sit there and give a lot of time and energy to try to win this smaller known battle. And somebody came in and said, hold on, there's a bigger, there's a, there's, if I zoom out, the bigger solution is I'll pay, I'll pay a lot more, which is stupid. It's stupid to pay this much money for all this land unless it's the only way to get what I want. Yeah. And yeah. Give, give me three years and I'll make it all back times an exponential amount, you know, but that, that takes some inventiveness that takes some, you know, takes a lot of courage, um, but some willingness to see things from a different perspective. You know, so I think about that relationship course, the point of it was really, I mean, the point in the moment was, hey, can we create this event? Can we create these courses that ends up serving this population in this way at this price point and all that? And will the will this mechanism work? Well, that answer was no, but there was le- tons of learning you know, we talk about the learning process that we been th- went through during that and refining the content, which is not going away. It's it's here now. It was always there, but now it's packaged in a new way. And I know we will end up using all of that learning to benefit so many people and to benefit the company at some point in the future. What's the mechanism by which we don't know yet, but we're all we're now in new conversations about how that then obstacle actually becomes opportunity for us. But some things have to, you know. They gestate over time. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's the willingness to experiment and then the willingness to also be patient. Mm. Yeah. And and I think a lot of it has to do with living in the moment, too, like because it's showing up in the moment where we start to see these things. And if you think about it, like like we were talking about this earlier, everybody's saying it's so, you know, new year, like something new has occurred. Like, oh, now that the we, we passed over. One day, everything's going to be different. <laughs> new. It's new. Which, you know, cool. I get that. I mean, I get, you know, optimism and all like that. But it's romantic. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's like as if last year was not a good year to start a business, right? Or last year wasn't a good year to do something. When, in fact, if you take a look at all the companies in the world that got started in crisis, like during the depression in 1929, Fortune magazine, I think, started 90 days right after the depression. FedEx actually started during the oil crisis of 1973, right? UPS in the panic of 1907. I mean, you can go down, there's like 
multiple companies, Coors, the Depression of 1873, and go all. I mean, there's a million of them. The point is, well, not a million, but there's a long list of some of the most, the biggest and most successful companies actually started in moments when everybody said, "No, this is. We need something new. We need to. We can't do anything just yet." But by showing up in the moment, we actually it's it's in the moment of crisis that. And if you think about this, the word crisis is interesting because the word crisis means in Greek, it means crisis means judgment, right? And meaning discernment. So it's in the moment of crisis that when, when something's going haywire, not going the way you want it to, that you start to find out what you're made of. You find out what's in you. You find out how, that's where, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention and innovation, right? So in these times, I was telling my wife, I, I, I think I, and a lot of our clients, we talk a lot about this. This is a great opportunity right now. The question mm-hmm. is, what do you want to get done? And how can, and, and by showing up in this moment is where we're going to find the resource for getting it done. But if the moment's horrible, if the moment's bad, if the lockdowns are somehow uh, stopping me from something, then I'm going to find the evidence for that rather than, okay, now what? Now what? Now what? Yeah. Like, okay, that didn't work. Now what? Yeah. Right? Fail, fail often, fail fast, fail forward. There's also something to be said about if you're in a crisis, like let's take the pandemic, the lockdowns, whatever you want to call it, that are happening right now, and they look like something that has stopped you in the tr- in your tracks. They are the obstacle. But others around you have used them yeah. to drive. Where does the problem actually lie? <laughs> Between your ears, right? Because... That's proof that there are there is opportunity, and I, I mean, I know we have clients, uh, I have friends who have just gone to the moon in this pandemic through in their business. But yeah. I also have friends that tell me there's no way they could survive this. There's no way that there's no opportunity. There's no money. There's no jobs. There's and, no. And they might be right about what they were doing up until that moment. Right. right. I mean, right. it's not like saying, "Oh, you're a bad, you're you're wrong." It's like, no, you you're right. You're probably can't, you may not be able to do what you've always done, but given what you who you are and what you know and what your background and experiences and your creativity, what now? Like now, what? Yeah. But what what got you here will never get it's, you there. Yeah. And, and that goes, that goes with circumstance. That goes with mindset. That goes with anything. Yeah. And if, in I mean, think about it. I, now, we've been, our, we, our business has boomed, thank God, and we're blessed. We're doing well. But, I mean, you know, my family's in the movie business. <laughs> it's dead. It's gone. Like, and uh, when you think about it, there's always something next. But in order to get to what's next, it, and I think this is difficult, it, it's definitely, it, it, it's all internal work. You got to let go of what was. Mm. Yeah. And there's there's got to be a death. You got to let it go and look into what can come out of it. I, I know my family's been doing that quite a bit. It's like now what? Now, given this, now what? Yeah. yeah. You can't be precious about what has worked. Yeah, up until that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, self pity is a funny little thing. It is. You know, like feeling sorry for oneself. It's really, it's, it's, yeah, at least for me, when I get in that mood, it, I kind of wander into it. I don't know I'm there for a while until it's really loud. I mean, if it's like a slow, it's in the distance, then it just kind of starts to, the volume starts to turn up. And, you know, that's, I think it's just part of the grieving process. You know, it's like, oh, sh- I wish this, I wish this wasn't happening. Why is it happening to me? And then usually, why does it always happen to me? And, <laughs> this is and, my- and, who else, who else, hold on, who else will agree with me about how hard my life is? That's usually a place people go to, which is a lot of, I think, the rhetoric going on in the culture, which just makes me, makes me sad uh, because I know there is, there, there are like self-pity and we say it in like funny little memes these days, but it's, it's actually usually kind of self-pity and it's got fruit. Yeah. Um, and it's worth looking at whenever, you know, if I'm, if I'm growing a self-pity plant, there will be fruit, which will... You know, it's coming in 2021. By the way, if you've been growing a self pity plant in 2020, there's fruit coming in 20 and 2021. 2021. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
But I'd heard, you know, I'd read this, I'd read this quote over the weekend. We're walking around this little, these little gift shops in Cambria. And I saw an Emerson quote that I had never heard before. But Dan, you quoted it this morning before we went live. I, this, the, the, this Emerson quote, uh, I just looked it back up. It, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Oh, wow. I, I just came up with that on Sunday when I was, before I went to church, I was thinking about, you know, where are we? And I'm thinking, yeah. it's a difference. You're I, channeling your inner Ralph. Or Thoreau? No, Emerson. Emerson. Ralph, yeah. Ralph Waldo Emerson, yeah, you and you and the bet, you and the greats, my friend. I'm with the greats. I'm up there with the greats. You're up there with the greats. I heard it first from Dan Tacchini, so that's how it's going to be attributed from here on out. I heard it first on a little woven treasure chest in the middle of nowhere in Cambria, California. But the but the point is this: I mean, I mean, when you say that, Dan, I sit up a little higher in my seat because. I mean, that's why, I mean, when you said that, like what lies before us and what lies behind us are little compared to what lies within us, that's all great art, really. That that question of, okay, it's a shit show, and what am I going to do about it? Yeah. That's a heroic question. And that's why all the fun, I mean, every movie we, I mean, I'll speak of movies I, I like, but like, you know, shit goes down. And now the main character, what are you going to do? You know, and the natural kind of hero's arc, the hero's journey. It's like, what's he going to do? Is he going to lay down? No, we know he's not going to lay down because it's a movie. So he decides to gird his loins and grab, you know, and summon himself to the surface. I and mean, we were just starting to watch Equalizer 2, which Ali does not like, but I love. Uh, anything with Denzel Washington when he's on a righteous rampage, I'm in. Uh, but this is the story, right? No, no, no. You don't get to do that to this person. I'm coming. The scene in the in the apartment when he get the, he delivers. <laughs> oh, oh! And if you guys haven't seen Equalizer two, if you don't mind some ass kicking, watch Equalizer two. <laughs> Denzel is this, you know, the ex CIA off the grid. He's a supposedly dead, but he's an Uber driver that goes around dispensing justice as needed. It's amazing. So, but anyway, but that that question of like, despite where we've come from, despite where we're going not we should have a vi- it behooves us to have a vision for where we're going but we don't know there's so much so many unknowns right whatever happens despite our best you know giving ourselves to it can we summon ourselves to the surface can we bring ourselves to the game can i take myself on as the most important project in life ever will be taking myself on and bringing all of my capacity to the surface uh, for some greater purpose you know, and that's a heroic question. Will am I willing to do that? And if if we do that in 2021, it will be the best year we've ever had, despite what's happening. Well, you know, it's heroic because it means you're willing to fail, right? Because there's no guarantee. I don't. I, oftentimes we talk about heroism. I think it's, you know, people think about it. Well, you know, it's heroic. Yeah, you look at somebody. You really got to. You get what makes it heroic is you get connected to what's. What could be lost? Right. The vulnerability of it. And that there's like this a faith, I think, in people when they move like that, that even if they do lose, it will be valuable. It will be worth the journey. Yeah. Because what I can't see will reveal itself. The next level will reveal itself if I fall flat on my face. Yeah. And I, I think that that kind of fortitude comes with a sense that a faith that Whatever happens, it's going to be worth it. It's going to teach me. It's going to form me. It's going to call me out. And yeah. without that, I think there's a tendency to look back or turn back, at least in me, without that sense of, well, this is worth losing, you know, because on the other end of it, my family, myself, you know, my community is going to win, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking about on a daily practice, you know, if we can start to train ourselves to enjoy the obstacles, that's part of, I think it's part of what makes people seem really amazing yeah. <laughs> is that they take on obstacles. And maintain their humanity. In it. And they maintain their humanity. 
But taking on an obstacle in action requires first taking on an, an obstacle between your ears. Like I, it's worth it. And that, because if, if we don't, if you don't make that, go ahead. Because the tendency is to take it out on those around you. Right. If you, you're not willing to own your own experience, I know for me that I'll take it out on those around me. Yeah. We've done that. And I think it's a large part of turning an obstacle into an opportunity is managing my own thoughts and emotions, owning them and not projecting them onto others. Because that's when things get really ugly. It pushes the whole pro- the provision of others away. And, and I know we I see it in our clients when they come up against uh, you know come up against conflict if we can maintain our humanity we can find a way through it we can you know we can sift it out even if we get heated with each other that isn't the problem it's when we lose the humanity when we start to try to dominate and oppress yeah. or control others it's yeah. Well, I think about this for myself, and I know it's true in almost all of our clients and probably for everybody that's got some kind of type A tendencies, stubborn, pushy, you know, want something to happen, action-oriented types in the world. Usually my best move is to put to language my own internal struggle. <laughs> like that's, that's the best move. Because when I don't do that, I end up really fighting with myself for a long time. And it ends up doing what you're talking about. Like ends up, it, that just happened on this trip to Cambria. I was like in a weird mood about something and I wasn't happening the way I wanted. And I was cold and da, da, da. And we had a lots of long conversation about that because I didn't just say, hey, this is what's happening for me. And for those that are looking to make shifts in the home life or make shifts in your corporate life or, your, you know, any kind of interpersonal dynamic for sure. Putting to language your own struggle with what's happening, your own judgment about what's happening, because to your point earlier, you see the obstacles because you have a vision. And if you if you language what's happening for you in a responsible way, like, hey, this is happening. I don't like it. Here's what I want to see happening. I wonder how I can get from here to here. Uh, and then enrolling others in that solution, which is what we usually don't do. Usually we have a problem with what's happening and then we bitch about it. Or we try to force our view instead of invite others point of view. And that's right. That's right. But usually in any kind of, you know, group dynamic, you know, we saw this in a very funny kind of simple way on Christmas On Christmas, you know, there's, we got a lot of people coming over in the morning, our nuclear family, and we want to get the, t- the teenage boys. The, the variable was the teenage boys want to get up early. And our teenage boys don't like getting up early, like most teenage boys in the whole world. They don't like getting up early. Now, Allie's concern was that there were going to be little complainers and be grumpy. And so she was talking to them about it the night on Christmas Eve, saying, hey, will you guys, you know, not be grumpy in the morning? You know, essentially, she was kind of like saying it like that. And I said, well, what do you really want? She said, what are you talking about? No, well, tell them what do you want. And oh, she said, oh, can you be up early and be happy and be a part of the family and be integrate, you know, whatever, exactly whatever her language was, I forget. But, you know, it was a, she had settled for, please don't be like this instead of, which were her fears, right? Her concerns were that they were going to, the, the morning was going to be ruined, quote unquote, because of some grumpy people and her interplay with all that and whatever. Instead of saying, hey, can we team together? Tomorrow's going to be a lot. It's going to be both exciting and earlier than we want. And there's going to be lots of moving targets. And there's going to be lots of people in the room with all different feelings. And, you know, it's going to be loud and chaotic and all that. Can we work together? That was the vision question. And the guys said yes. And Kit was actually up before any of us. He was the 13-year-old. And he was chipper because he went to bed at 10. He never goes to bed at 10. But the vision is what you know, provided order to the chaos. Yeah. Is it gave a centralized focal point. And that's kind of my point here is like when I'm struggling, it's good for me to share what I'm struggling about or kind of what my resistance to what's happening really in quote unquote struggle, my resistance to what's happening. It's good for me to share it though, but don't share it just like there's different ways to share about the obstacle. So I could share about it like this is hard for me. What was me? I wish this wasn't happening. Or it's going to be like, Hey, this is what's happening. Here's what I want to see happening. Can you help? That's a distinct way of enrolling people into a solution, into a future, instead of enrolling people into a pity party, which doesn't get you anywhere except for this compounding, you know, shitty experience. What sort of invitation am I? 
That's right. And as leaders, as leaders at home or as leaders, you know, in the workplace, you know, I just invite folks to take that on, take on how you're processing the obstacle and with others. And are you most people that are miserable? They're really just miserable internally. And most people that I work with, including the, the, the guy I look at in the mirror, haven't shared my challenge, haven't shared challenges enough. They ought to. I ought to. It, it would serve me to like get to share what, what I'm going through. Instead of just bottle it up inside and act like I'm okay, because I'm not. So, you know, part of part of the obstacle is the pride that I think I'm okay on my own. I'm usually not okay on my own. I mean, I'm like okay, but I'm not thriving on my own. You know, I'm not like really alive. I'm not, you know, I'm but I, I can make it through the day and usually not hurt anybody. But, you know, I'm not like excited to be here if I'm feeling isolated. You know, so that's really, I think, one of the grand invitations of an obstacle is it's an opportunity for folks to come around a common challenge. Yeah. So for me, it's become a very stoic position. It's not a and sto- by stoic, I don't mean passionless or careless. It's it's very much passion. It's passion filled and I care a whole lot, but it's a position of, well, here we are. Yeah, that's a, that's you're, you're focusing your passion to find the way. Yeah, that's right. Rather you know, than to get your way. Yeah, that's a statement that I got from you. Well, well, here we are. Great. Now, what do we got? Now, what? Now, we're, where? Where can we go? What you know? Do we go left or do we go right, or do we go right through? You know, whatever. So, anyway, I appreciate the conversation. I think this has been really powerful, and uh, I appreciate both of you showing up and and bringing the goods. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be here, man. Bless you. Thanks, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.